Welcome to Joy Christian Center. We're so glad you joined us today. If you're ever in the St. Cloud area, please join us for one of our 9 or 1045 a.m. services. Our services last about an hour. We pray that today's message will inspire and challenge you. a couple of things before we get started. So this doesn't count as my preaching time, okay? <laughs> all right, so um, first of all, I just want to say a great big thank you on behalf of uh, Pastor Tim and Pastor John and Pastor Tommy. Last Sunday, you guys, uh, everybody who put the service together, you guys knocked it out of the park. I mean, it was awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, we were, amen. Uh, we were like everything all at once. We were surprised. We were scared. We were trembling. We were blessed. It was a lot of fun, and uh, we appreciated it a lot. Thank you so much for that. It, uh, it truly is a blessing to us to be able to serve uh, this congregation, and we know we fall far short many times. Uh, there has, I will assure you, though, there's never been a time in my life that I woke up wondering, how could I really tick people off today? How could I really upset people and make them mad? Never one time has that crossed my mind, but I have found that because of miscommunication, and, and, and feelings and a lot of different things. Sometimes that happens. And, uh, but please know how much we love you and appreciate you. This church is not this church without every single one of you that make it what it is. And so thank you so much for that. And then two weeks ago, I had a lot of fun. Uh, really, we, we, what we've been celebrating is a family church teaching people to reach their world. Last week was the teaching aspect, which uh, you know our goal as teachers, our goal as communicators is that we'll take the big truths of the gospel, of scripture, and, and, and the, the need and crisis, the realities of life, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, pull the two of them together in a way that is relevant and understandable and applicable to your life. Because I believe that God's word is not just something to fill up a book. It's not just something to set on a shelf and, and honor a book, but it is, a, it is the words of God to rearrange and reprioritize our life by. And when we do that, our life is better. And so we, we, we endeavor to teach the word of God around here. And then uh, two weeks ago, we talked about a family church. And I relayed to you a story about 
about a ladder and uh, I didn't have a ladder holder and because I didn't have somebody to hold my ladder, uh, well, what happened is I almost, it was awesome. I wish you all could have seen it, but it was, a, it was an incredible moment in my life. It was very memorable to me and, um, and there was nobody to share it with. But the story is simply this, who's holding your ladder? And I've been incredibly blessed over 25 years to have incredible ladder holders, uh, people who have, have been stable and secure around me so that they can, uh, so that I could reach farther than I ever thought possible. I could accomplish more than I ever thought possible. And it, you know, I started with my wife, Shelly. She's a great ladder holder. And I thought that since, and these guys are always early. And, uh, and so, but thank you. Thank you for being, being here this morning. Flip it around and put it right in the middle there. Um, I thought that since I, since I began with a ladder two weeks ago, I would end with a ladder this morning. And I asked these three to, to bring my ladder out for me this morning because uh, you guys weren't here two weeks ago. And uh, I wanted to take a moment to honor and thank you guys for holding my ladder. Uh, Gordy, you've been a tremendous encouragement to me uh, on our board and, and served so faithfully and well. I appreciate you sitting in the front row and laughing at all my corny jokes uh, right on cue, right on time. Uh, but you make my life better. You really do. You've, you've encouraged me at times, challenged me at other times to refine vision, to refine, refine thoughts. And so uh, I came up with a really corny award called the Silver Ladder Award. And uh, I want you to proudly display it wherever it is that you proudly display stuff. And the, in your man, if you have a man cave, that would be a great place for it. And, uh, and so uh, if you want to just pull that one out, Gordy. And... Uh, I just want everybody to see it. Maybe you weren't here a couple of weeks ago, but uh, this is our Silver Ladder Award. And, uh, and uh, Alan and Stacy, I want to, I just want to say to you guys, a lot of you don't know this, but Alan and Stacy were our very first church members. Before we even had a church. And they've threatened, they've wanted to leave a few times. And, uh, huh? You were, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were 15 when, when we met at their house and part of our youth ministry. Uh, actually, we sat at their kitchen table and, and talked about, we had crunchy fudge sandwiches and you almost killed me one time with a banana flip thing. And, um, but we, you know, we were, our plan was to try to make it a year and, uh, and, and well, we did. And, and I, can't, I can't express enough to you two how much we appreciate, Shelly and I particularly appreciate your friendship, your love over the years, um, you know, I'm a better pastor because of you, Al. You've challenged me at times in different things, and I appreciate that a lot. And um, uh, my life is better, this church is better because of you guys. And so we appreciate you a lot. Thank you. Uh, I think that um, I heard, uh, it was John Maxwell who said this one time, and he, he said basically, and I'm gonna paraphrase it a little bit, but he said that, that success is when the people who know you best still love you. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure they always love me, but they like me most of the time. And so I appreciate you guys. And so thank you so much. Let's give these guys a hand. They are, we love you, we love you too. Thank you. So, thank you, Gordy. God bless you. Amen. Thank you guys. Whew. All right. Gordy's always trying to upstage me. 
Praise God. Well, thank you for, again, being here this morning. I have a couple of thoughts that I want to share with you. We've talked about a family church teaching people, and this morning, teaching people to reach their world. And that's, if we don't get this part right, and if we don't do this part well, then we have totally missed what it is that God sent his son Jesus to do on the earth, and Jesus gave us command that we should go into all the world and preach the gospel. Uh, he, that believeth and is sa- he that believeth and is baptized will be saved. It is our responsibility to be salt and light in this world. And so, making a difference in our world. And, and I want to go back again. In the book of Acts, we read some things in the second chapter. I, I started talking a little bit about what was church like on that very first day? 2,000 years ago, what was the church like? What was going on and what was happening? And if we had more time, I'd, go, I'd take you through the uh, first and second chapter of the book of Acts. It really kind of ties together with the book of Luke. Uh, there were some things that were happening, and, and, and we find that in Acts chapter 1, Jesus had met with his disciples, and he, was, he ascended into heaven, he, he, where he ever lives in the seat of the right hand of God. And so he was up in heaven, and he had given command to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And he had talked about the power of the Holy Spirit, that you you would be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. And they work through Acts chapter 1 and they get to Acts chapter 2 and we find that there is a feast that is called the Feast of Pentecost. And on that Feast of Pentecost, which had been celebrated for about 3,000 years, all of the people were in Jerusalem and the power of God, the Spirit of God fell and there was incredible things that were going on and all the people came together. And Peter gets up and he begins to preach. Now Peter was had suffered from hoof and mouth, foot and mouth disease because he was always blurting out and talking before his time. But this time he begins to speak and he begins to talk and he's preaching an awesome message. And as he's preaching this message and there's thousands of people who have gathered together to hear what's going on and and Luke is the one who wrote the book of Acts and we I, I'm going to pick up the story in Acts chapter 2 and verse 36. Peter's been preaching and he's been talking about Jesus, this, this, this son of God who came to the earth and as he came to the earth, he was crucified, but he rose again and, 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 and he gets to kind of the, the, the ultimate crescendo of his message in verse 36 and it says, therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus who you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, man, we look at these scriptures so many times with with an eye, you know, just with a, 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 a religious glasses on. We just sort of, we don't pause and think. We don't put ourselves in their spots. But, but have to under, you have to understand that of the thousands of people that were in that crowd at the moment, the thousands of people that were there, many of them knew exactly what, what had happened. They were there. In fact, many of them were in the crowd that was crying out, crucify him, crucify him. Many of them saw him walking uh, down the Via Della Rosa. Many of them saw him give up his last breath. They saw the spear thrust into his side. They saw those things, and now they're giving witness. Here's these men giving witness that this Jesus that you saw crucified, he's now alive. Something powerful was happening. And so Peter says, this Jesus that you crucified is now both Lord and Christ. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Would you say that with me? What should we do? You know, I think that sometimes that is probably the greatest cry that we hear today. It's not just a Bible thing. It's not just this particular story. But I think there are a lot of people that are much like this crowd that kind of know about Jesus. They've seen some things about Jesus. And they they really do want to connect with God. They want God's help in their life. 
They want God to help them maybe through their marriage or help them in, you know, with their kids and maybe there's crisis that arrives in life and, and many of us have faced those moments and there's that overwhelming thought, what should we do? And sometimes we ask that question because we're not sure where to turn. We don't know, God, do you really love us? God, do you really care? And sometimes we don't know where to turn and we're afraid to ask that question or we're afraid of the answer to that question. What should we do because there's guilt or there's shame because of things that have happened in our past. But I want you to notice what Peter says. They, they, they respond. They're, they're, something's going on on the inside. They're cut to the heart, as it says. There's, there's something happening inside. And they said, what should we do? And then Peter says this in verse 38. Then Peter said to them, make sure you get into church every Sunday. Well, Peter couldn't say that because there wasn't any church. They couldn't go to a church. Well, make sure you say the Lord's Prayer. Well, they hadn't written down the Lord's Prayer yet, so they couldn't say that. What did Peter say? He said, repent or, or turn, change, change the direction of your life. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He didn't say be nice, he didn't say be good, he didn't say try to be a little bit gentler. What he said is you need to make a change in your life. You need to change the course and direction of your life. And then he says in verse 39 something I think is really incredible. He says, for the promises to you, all of those thousands of people that were in the crowd, to your children... And to all who are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. What Peter was saying in that moment was something that the Jews did not understand. He was saying that this death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, this message of the gospel, this good news that Jesus died for our sin and he rose again because he defeated death and the hell and death and hell in the grave. He defeated those things. And it's not just for the Jews. It's not just even for good people. It's not just for right people. It's not for people that know the right lingo, the right, you know, the right traditions. It is for everybody. In fact, Peter, by the Spirit of God, is saying that this message is not just for the Jews. It's not just for Jerusalem. It is for different cultures. It is for different people. It is for people that we don't even know exist yet because this message is going to go on beyond us to as many as the Lord our God shall call. This is not just a good people thing. This is an everybody thing. This is for everybody. Everybody. And if we're going to reach people, we need to let people know this is, this is for them. There'll be people that'll drive by this building today. They'll see cars in the parking lot and they'll say something like, look, all the church people are in church today. But if we've ever communicated that church is only for church people, then we've, then we've done a really bad job of communicating a wonderful message because the gospel is not just for church people, it's for people people, amen? amen. It's for everybody. And so... That was day one of the church. Now, I want to show you a picture here real quick because I believe this. Go ahead and put the next slide up. Things in life tend to gravitate towards more and more complexity. Every business that grows has to, has to struggle with this. They have to deal with this. They have to figure out how can we stay nimble? How can we stay quick? How can we not become so bloated? Uh, you know, so businesses struggle with this idea of complexity. There's layers and layers of bureaucracy. Our politics, uh, you know, the bigger it gets, the harder it is to maintain that focus and, and get it down to the bottom, uh, if you will. And the church is the same way. Churches tend towards more and more complexity. And so I have a picture that I want to show you. This is my very first, this is a picture of my very first cell phone. 
You know the only good thing about that cell? How many of you had one of those, first of all? A couple of you did. You know the best thing about that is I never one time butt dialed anybody. <laughs> and I remember dragging that thing around. Those of you that had one, you remember driving down the highway at 65 miles an hour, roll your window down, you know, get the antenna, stick it on top of your roof, hope it doesn't blow off. Your arm is doing this as you're driving down the road and you're trying to make a phone call, but you got to keep it really quick because it's going to cost about $4,000 to make that phone call, you know, that kind of a thing. Well, communication has come a long way, hasn't it? It's come a long way in about the last 20 years. They say that in a, how many of you have a, how many of you have a smartphone? Hold it up. All right. A lot of you have a smartphone this morning. Somebody said this one time. I don't know that it's true. I read it on the internet. It has to be true. But they said that, that today's smartphones have more computing power in them than NASA had when they first launched a, a, a spaceship into, into outer space. There's more computing. And what do we do with it? We play, you know, Candy Crush, Angry Birds, and, you know, change our world, you know. <laughs> With all of the technology that we have available to us, communication has changed a lot over the last 20 years. A lot of things have changed, but things tend towards more and more complexity. You know, there could be people sitting in their homes right now, and they're, 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 things are going on in their life. I've found that, that as a pastor, people don't call us right after they win the lottery wondering what they should do with their money. People don't call us when things are going really, 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 really well in their life. In fact, most of the time we get the call when things are not going so well and things are going tough in their life. And it seems like a lot of times when things are going tough, people are like, God, why are you doing this to me? How come this is happening? What's going on in my life? Why is it that this is going on? But when good things happen, nobody ever asks that question. God, why are you blessing me so much? God, why are things so good in my life? Because we think, well, we, de we deserve that. You know, we we've worked hard. We deserve you know, those good things that have happened, it's because I'm smart. You know, that's sometimes what we think. And so there could be this person sitting in their home, how do I connect with God? How do I know that God is real? How do I get God's power and influence into my life? And they could call five different churches and come up with eight different things that they have to do. And we're right back to Acts chapter two. Men and brethren, what should we do? And I think that the church has come really, become really, really strong in what should we do. And depending on the church, depending on the people, depending on what's going on, people will give you a list of things to do. And I think that the reason that we gravitate, and it's just human, we gravitate towards lists because lists are easier to navigate than relationships are. If I can have a checklist, if I can have you know, some do's and some don'ts, look at what was going on. In Jerusalem, when Jesus was there, the Bible explicitly tells us that Jesus came to show the world the Father. In the book of Hebrews, it says that Jesus is the express image, the embossment of the Father. If you've seen Jesus, he said, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. There are a lot of people who think there's an Old Testament God that's mean and cranky and angry, and then there's a New Testament Jesus. They're one and the same, church. And God had been so misrepresented to the people that were there in Jerusalem. And, and, and the, the simple, in fact, you look at the Ten Commandments. It, what God gave Moses in the Ten Commandments, by the time of Jesus, had become 613 laws. 
613 laws, and, and of, the, of the 613 laws that were there, there were 365 negative laws, or don't do this. And the reason they had 365 was one for each day of the year. So you could remember that every day there's something you're not supposed to be doing. There were 248 positive ones, uh, and, and that was the do. These are the things you're supposed to do. And the reason that they had 248, because as they understood the human body at that time, that was the number of bones and internal organs and things like that. And so the, 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 the positive ones were for the days of the year. The negative ones were for, for the physiology of the human body and those kinds of things. Things tend more and more towards complexity. And so I have a ladder this morning. And this ladder to me represents something that is so crucial. It's where I live. Actually, I don't live on a ladder, but it's a thought that I, as I've really thought a lot about this service, and we've done a lot of planning and talking about the first two, and I kind of just said a couple of times, I just said, you know what, that third service is mine. I just, there's some things I want to say, there's some things I want to relate, and if you're a guest here this morning, uh, you know, you can just sort of file this away and forget about it. If this is your church, though, I want to express to you the heart of how and why we do what we do, because it is so important to me that you get this, because churches are famous for drifting into an insider mentality that church is only for church people, and that eventually we become so accustomed to, the, to everything we become so accustomed to the lingo. Do you realize that if the longer you're in something, the longer you're a, a part of something, you become fluent in it. And the longer that you're in, in a church environment, you become fluent in that church environment. Think of those of you that, that, you know, you've been here for a long time. You know exactly where the kids' rooms are. You know where to hang your coat. You know what's going on. You know me. There's a comfort and a comfortableness that you have. But not everybody that comes into this service or comes to this church has that same comfort. I preach with two realities in mind. First of all, my first reality that I preach with is simply this. I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that every single Sunday somebody is here for their very first time. Somebody who's never been here before is here. Every Sunday that happens. And every Sunday there is somebody here who has no idea what we do or why we do it. Every Sunday there is somebody who maybe for the very first time they've been sitting at home thinking I'd like to connect with God and maybe they've heard about our church because of Fall Fun Fest or maybe they've heard about our church from somebody else or they've driven past and they've seen it and they thought I want to figure out God are you real? God, do you care? God, are you out there? And they walk through the doors of this church. And it's the reason that we ask you to, to help, you know, create an environment. I believe the church starts at the top of the hill and that church ends at the top of the hill. I believe that this generally on a Sunday morning, 65-ish minutes that we do is so important that every minute is not a throwaway minute because every minute communicates something to somebody who has no idea what we're talking about. And for too long, I think that churches have asked people to, in a sense, climb higher with God, get to the top, but it's like they've taken out the bottom rungs. And they've not been able to, people have not been able to make the leaps. And we become so ingrained in our do's, we become so ingrained in our do nots, we become so fluent in church that we no longer relate to people who have no idea what we're talking about. We're speaking a different language. Years ago, I used to go with Roy and Caroline Shanleben to the jail. Every Friday night, we'd go up there, and I would 
you know, just share the gospel with, with these men and women that were in jail. And, and I found out very quickly that I had to get rid of the Bible words. The Bible words that I had become fluent in. And I had to figure out a different way to, to describe what does righteousness mean? Because I couldn't just say the word righteousness to them. But you know, when you tell a, a, a person that's in jail that righteousness is kind of like this. You, you're guilty, you know that you're guilty, and, and you're gonna go before the judge, and the judge is gonna say, you know what, somebody else already paid your penalty, you're free, you can go. That registers to a guy that's in jail. A lot more than Jesus came so that you could have the righteousness of God in Christ. In fact, that probably registers to a lot of people that are here this morning a lot more that Jesus come, okay, he's the judge. He, he paid the price in front of the judge so you didn't have to. And so my, my goal as a communicator, I don't, I've had people say, you know, you're a great communicator. You, you know, all that stuff. I'm not a great communicator. I get to communicate really great things though. And I believe that this message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is so valuable, important. We cannot afford to tell it bad. Believe that with all of my heart. And so, Sometimes church becomes like this. The bottom rungs are missing. And there's no way for people to understand or to grasp. There's no room for people that have no clue. And so people get frustrated with God. They get frustrated with church. And, and, and because, it, because they can't relate, because it's not relevant, they back away and they say, well, there must not be anything there. And, and so I, I, every Sunday I'm working hard and, and I want you to understand that a lot of the things that we create and that we do and we ask you to get involved in is because we want to help people know God. We want them to know who he is and how good he is. How in the world can people reject a God that is head over heels in love with them, that has moved heaven and earth to create a way that they can understand and know that God is real, that God is for them and not against them, and that God has given us guidelines in his word that he said if we will just follow them and walk after them, our life's gonna be a lot better. Sorry, I get excited about that. I'm passionate about that. I want people to know. The other thing that, and, and reality that I minister from is that not only is it people's first time, it's people's last time. There are people who are here every Sunday that they're about to give up on their marriage. They're about to give up on God. They're about to give up on life. There are some who are here Sunday that are in heaven by Sunday afternoon because they've left this life. I carry with me in my in my little folder over here that I have notes in, I, I, I carry with me two or three funeral announcements and I look at those from time to time because they remind me of the temporary nature of life. As Moses said, Lord, teach us to number our days so that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. We can't live like we are going to always be here on planet Earth. And because we've only got a limited amount of time, a limited amount of days, we need to make sure that we're putting a lot of living and life in the days that God gives to us. And so every Sunday, it's somebody's first time and it's somebody's last time. I've had, you know, why, Pastor, why don't you speak more about the last days? I do every Sunday. Because every Sunday is somebody's last day. And that's a reality that I preach from. I want to share a scripture in John chapter 13. And... It's not going to go the way that perhaps you might think that it's going to go. But in John chapter 13, I love my tablet. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for... Why do bad things always happen to me? 
It'll come back in just a moment. This is why, this is from the Department of Redundancy Department. <laughs> I could be in politics, couldn't I? It'll come back in a moment. It just got tired of me talking, so. All right. Here's, here's, here's the lesson, if you will, for this morning. In John chapter 13, Jesus is giving instruction to the disciples. And he says something to them in the 33rd verse. He said, little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me, as I, and as I said to the Jews, where I'm going, you can't come. So now I say to you. So basically what Jesus is saying is that I'm not going to be here forever. I'm going to be going away. Everybody say, Jesus is going away. I want you to remember that. This is right before his death burial, right before the crucifixion, right before his death, right before he's about to be, be crucified. And this is some of the most tender words that he says to his disciples, some of the most important things that he says to them. And so he says, I'm not gonna be here forever. I need you to get this. I need you to understand this. I need you to know this because I won't be here to guide you through what's gonna happen next. And so he says in verse 34, a new commandment I give to you. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Has anybody ever heard that before? I think we've heard it so many times, it's not a new commandment anymore. But this is something brand new. And Jesus adds something that I think that we miss because Jesus said, this is a new commandment that I give to you that you love one another. Notice these next couple of words. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. He said, I want you to love one another, not like you love one another, not like you've been taught to love one another, because in another place, Jesus said that, you know, if you love someone because they love you, if you're kind to them because they're kind to you, if you bless them because they've blessed you, then what thank have you? Actually, what thank have you? Pastor Brian's caffeinated version would say, you don't get an attaboy for loving somebody that loves you. You don't get an attaboy for loving people that are easy to love. And that's what Jesus was trying to say to his disciples. I want you to love one another in the example that I've set for you in the way that I have loved you. And I wish I had time to expound more on that because Jesus went out of his way to show what that love looked like. Then we go on in verse 36, the first part. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Now, I don't, this is one of those things that this, I know the Bible's gotta be true because you can't make this stuff up. Here's Jesus in one of the most tender moments. <laughs> He's saying, I, I have something I gotta tell you this, a new commandment I give to you. Love one another the way I love you. And Peter is like, He's still stuck back 10 minutes ago where Jesus was saying, I'm gonna go away. And Peter's like, Where are you going? I think, and I know Jesus is far above this. I know Jesus would do I think that when, that when Peter asked that question, Jesus went, Where have you been for the last 10 minutes when I'm talking about love one another? But I think that Peter did what we do. Oh yeah, I've heard that before. I've heard that before. Yeah, 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 I got that already. I heard that already. It's on my checklist. I, all right, love one another. I, I've heard that before and I, I try to do it, you know, but those people, some of them are really tough to love and you know, they're this or they're that and I, I just don't, I, it's hard. It's just hard. He said, I want you to love. I want you to love. I want you to love, not the way you love. I want you to love the way I love. You see, the love of the heavenly father is based on the character of God. Love is not something that God does. Love is something that God is. He is love. You see, human love, it, it depends on the person that you're loving. 
But divine love, the God kind of love, is based on the character of the person who's doing the loving. And when the Bible tells you and the Bible tells me that the love of God is shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Spirit, that says that God's love's in you. And when it is humanly impossible for you to love, when it is humanly impossible for you to forgive, when it is humanly impossible for you to let go of the past, when it is humanly impossible for you to do those things, there's a power that's on the inside of you that is generated by the Spirit of God that will help you to do the impossible. And you can love with the love of God. And I have to tell you this morning that we live in a day that the world needs to see this. We live in a day that our culture needs to see a people. It's why it was so strong in my heart that, I, that we sing, instead of I believe, we believe. Because there's this mentality that as long as it's okay with me and God, then it's, everything's okay. As long as I'm right with God and I kind of know the ritual, I know what the steps are, I know what these things are, and I know how to get there, so it's cool with me and God. I'm a part of a family church and I'm being taught. But if we're not doing the third part, making a difference in the world that we're called to make a difference in, it's why we do some of the things that we do. Why would a church spend thousands of dollars and rent the civic center and give away tons of candy, fill it up with uh, hundreds of games and get three or 400 people to fall. Why would we do that? It's because we love people and we want to touch our community. We want to build a bridge to people who think that, that church is only for church people. And so I want you to know something. You're a part of a church that is working hard at making sure all of the rungs of the ladder are here. And it isn't always comfortable and it isn't always easy and it isn't always fun, but I believe it is so fundamental and so important that we make sure that every rung of the ladder is here and there's tremendous opportunities. I believe with all of my heart, people are searching for something that's real. They're searching for something that gives life. They're searching for something that would bring peace and joy into their heart. And here we are, <laughs> called to be salt and called to be light and called to be life in our community. I said this a couple of weeks ago, so I wanna finish with this thought, trying to finish with this thought time is it anyway? Oh shoot, I got lots of time. <sighs> Let's go back to the cell phone for just a second. I've had people say this, that, that you know the church has changed a lot in the last 25 years, and there are aspects of the church that have changed a lot, but you know, I, I've, I've rethought that, and I think that the church hasn't changed enough. I really believe the church hasn't changed enough. I don't know exactly what that means. I'm not saying we alter the message at all because the message is timeless. But I think how we communicate that message, I think that, that how we live it out has to change. 20 years ago, a bag phone was really pretty cool, but today, there are people today that, that have the latest, greatest cell phone who a few years ago say, I will never get one of those things. Some of you are here. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You've come kick, you've come, you know, dr we've dragged you kicking and screaming into uh, the 21st century. I used to tease Shelly about her phone. It's like, you know, the reason it takes you so long to get a text is because it's got to go back to 1998 and then come forward before it'll ever get here, you know. But she liked her flip phone. But now she's got a smartphone. Woo! And she doesn't like it. So, you know what? And that says a lot about church. Because we have to change the way 
that we, we don't change what we communicate, but the way we communicate, and there are those who don't like it. And so here's, I don't think that any single one of you want to be a part of a church that's only for church people. And as a church, we are always, and, and there's a risk, but we're always going to err on the side of creativity and grace. And we're not going to get it right every time. I have a Rolodex in my brain of some of the top five worst services that we've ever had at Joy Christian Center. It was an absolute fail. Some of you probably have a much bigger Rolodex than mine. <laughs> anyway, Pastor, I remember about 15 or 20 that were terrible. In fact, this one's not so great right now. <laughs> because the question we ask, well, what about me? What about me? God's put something in you. It's a gift that he's put within you. There's a, there's a, there's a wiring, a design that's on the inside of that he wants to use for the betterment of people that are around you. So I want you to know that this church is a church that's committed to making sure that every rung on the ladder is there. And we're not gonna stop asking people to get involved using their gifts, their talents, their time, their ability to make sure that every rung of the ladder is staffed with excellence that we know why we're doing what we're doing and that we're passionate about making sure that every person who walks through the doors of this church, whether it's for their first time or their last time, is treated with love and with respect and that we give them the same opportunity that we give everybody else to respond to a God that loves them, to a God that cares for them, to a God that is, that, that is on their side. He's not against you, church. He's for you. Bible says, well, I could go on and on. Hallelujah. So, we have an option this morning to be like a cell phone, a bag phone, a rotary phone. I remember being one of the last houses that still had a rotary phone instead of a push button phone. I felt so sad. But you know what? Whether it was a rotary phone, a push-button phone, a bag phone, or a cell phone, the bottom line is that we want to make phone calls. We want to communicate. And certainly phones today can do a lot of other things. I, like one person was like, okay, I, can, I know how to do all these other things, but how do I make a phone call? <laughs> and here's the thing. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And we can build, you know what? Right now we could stop. We're comfortable. Bills are paid. Things are going good. We could just stop right now. We could just create programs and ideas that just minister to us and it's what we like and what we're comfortable with and what we're familiar with, but eventually we would become a church that's only for church people. We would become a church that's only for people who know our style, our system, and our way. And eventually we would get ingrown, eventually we would become selfish, eventually we would just become critical, we would become uh, cantankerous towards other people that are outsiders that don't know our way and can't respect our way and can't fit in our way. But I'm telling you right now, I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy. And as a church, we're going to continue to build services that are for people, people, not church people. Because we believe that God is so good and he is so kind and he is so loving. So would you, I just want to pray a prayer and we've got a little bit, we've only got another hour to go, so no, we don't. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you this morning. Lord, I thank you for this congregation. I thank you for the privilege of being called the pastor of this church. And Lord, as we've shared this morning, as, as, as I asked you to pour and pull from my heart, I thank you that you've done that. And Lord, as we celebrate and thank you for the last 25 years, God, you've been so good. 
You've been so kind. You've been so gracious. You've, you've done things for, for us on our behalf that we thought would be impossible. And, and 25 years later, here we are. And Father, as we look forward to the next 25 years, Father, help us to always maintain the vision and the heart to reach the unreached. And Father, help us to build a church, a, a family church that has the same care one for another. A family church that teaches people how good you are and how powerful your word is. And Father, that ultimately we would lay down our lives for the betterment of others and that we would reach people that are not reached. And Father, by that we would declare the goodness and glory of God. And we thank you for that today. In the name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen.